The topics shared on Talk Dollars Make Sense are for entertainment purposes only and is not to be taken as advice. If you would like advice, please seek help from a qualified professional. This episode is proudly sponsored by Wipe Credit Clean. How good is the team at Wipe Credit Clean? Wipe Credit Clean set the bar for consumer and commercial credit repair. They have a 97% success rate. If you know anyone who needs assistance or has questions about their credit, please reach out to the team at www.wipecreditclean.com.au or admin at wipecreditclean.com.au. Welcome to Talk Dollars Make Sense with your hosts, Calum and Jess. This is the podcast where we try to make sense of it all. We talk to experts in their field, whether it's finance, property or business. We unpack their journey of making a dollar and what their tips are for success. Dollars and cents, Dollars and cents, baby. Today we're joined by none other than Jake Edwards. Mate, how you doing? Very good. Who came up with the name? Um, uh, I think we can actually thank our producers yeah, for <laughs> helping with that. Pretty sure it was oh. like a passing comment on a producer phone call uh, where we had a bit of a working session and uh, yeah, it stuck. So it's Good, yeah. love it. Hold well on. Um, but tell us a bit more about yourself. Obviously, previously played with Geelong uh, as well. Carlton. Yeah. Carlton. Carlton. Sorry. That's all right. Are you an Carlton. AFL boy? Yeah, yeah. You are? You should know. Yeah, Come on, man. Come on. I should know. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I played uh, AFL for Carlton. Yep. I did play VFL for Geelong. Geelong, yep. Yeah, so I spent a couple of years there, so I'll let you off the hook. Mate, LinkedIn came out the other day, said so you spent 10 Geelong? years there. Did it? Geelong? That's what's throwing me off. We should fix that. Yeah, so no, I was fortunate, very fortunate. I grew up in country Victoria. I was a fifth player in my family to play AFL. So my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my dad, my cousin all played over 100 games of AFL, um, you know, grand finals, all those type of things. And awesome. Yeah, just I'm the youngest of three, yep. three sons, and yeah, my two older brothers missed the boat, and <laughs> I was the lucky last. And Got the good genes. Yeah, there was no, there was no <laughs> pressure on me uh, to extend the, the name in footy. So uh, I was drafted at 17, um, about four weeks out of year 12. Yeah, and as um, pick 36 now in 2005, which... Seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, was, I guess, you know, it was a while ago, but what was that mm. feeling, like being drafted at, at such a young yeah. age? Uh, it looked incredible, you know. Like, I'm very grateful for it. Yep. Um, as a kid, as young as I can remember, six, seven years of age, running around the paddocks at home with the football, kicking goals. My old man teaching me how to kick the footy. Yep. Always want to run out in the MCG. Um, yeah, yeah. And to, to, live that, to live that dream and be... Yeah, being drafted is one step. Playing yeah. AFL yeah, is a, yeah. a different step. Yep. But I remember when the draft was on back then. Um, it wasn't on Fox Footy or anything like that. <laughs> it was on the on the radio or the wireless. Yeah. We used to call it. And yeah, um, yeah mate, I wasn't sure I was going to get drafted. So it got to about pick fifteen in the draft, and yep. I had another year to go as a top age to yep. get to get picked up. So I jumped in the car with my two brothers, and we actually took off. So just thinking it wasn't going to happen, and. Yeah, mum called me about halfway down the road and she's, you know, yelling and screaming, you've been drafted and that. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And coming back to the house, the, the smile on my dad's face was pretty, um, it sticks in my head still today. So yeah, like big, something you'll never forget. No, no, nothing at all. So, and then, yeah, being so young, uh, it's, I don't think blokes get drafted now at 17. they got to wait till you're 18. There's no more bottom age. So, and I, I got drafted to a club that uh, had some issues at the time and, 
you know, we probably had some cultural issues as well. Um, we never won many games, but we, we partied pretty hard. And <laughs> so it wasn't the greatest yeah. culture to walk into yeah, as a yeah. young fella. At 17. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I, had a, I had a great time. Yep. I met a lot of amazing people. Got the opportunity to, to play football with yep. people like Chris Jard and Brennan yeah. Favola and Anthony Kudafides and people like that. So extremely fortunate, yeah. Yeah, things dreams are made of, hey? It really is. Yeah, and yeah. running out of that MCG the first time was... Yep. My first game was in front of 70-something thousand people, the MCG, which was Chris Judd's first game for the club in 2008 against Richmond. And it's it's really kind of something that I'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty special. Considering the two milestones match up as well, like it wasn't just your first game at the MCG. It was Juddies. Also Juddies. I was telling Juddie all week to come in <laughs> and watch me, but I don't think I got that right. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was pretty hyped that Juddie come to the club. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just what, it's an experience that, at the time, like when I left the game, I was 20, 21. So I was only there for four years. I played yep. five AFL games. So I didn't play a lot. It was my vision to play 100. Like that was for me yep. what I'd consider to be successful because yep. all my family members had done all that before me. And when I left the game, I, I left it pretty bitted. Like I was pretty upset, um, pretty distraught in terms of how it kind of played out. And I had some mental health issues and, you know, that's all public knowledge and people can, can research all that. But... Yeah, I went down a path of drugs and alcohol abuse and, and fell down a quite a significant path of, you know, mental health, depression, suicide, things like that. So it impacted me significantly. But now at 34 years of age, looking back, I can just see it for what it was. And yeah. it was pretty, pretty remarkable to be able to, to do something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Where yeah. I know when I speak to people, I say I only played five games and someone would say, well, I wish I could play one. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's like it was 95 short yep. of what I considered to be yep. success. So I felt like I was a failure in my career, in my yep. eyes. Um, and I felt like I let my family down because of that. Yep. Um, and it's just something I think as every young male experiences at some stage and even women now coming through the game, it's a really high pressure environment. Yep. And you're, you're elite and you're constantly training it's all about PBs. You know, how much can you bench press? How many chin-ups can you yep. do? It's beating your last effort every single time. Performance. It's constant, yep. you know, and you're on all the time. Yep. Even when you're in public, people mm. recognise you and stuff like that. Yep. You're constantly got to be a, a bit of a facade. Yeah, yeah. And, and that wears you down over time. Absolutely. Um, and for someone like me who wasn't playing senior footy every week, yep. you know, it was even more... Because everyone's asking you questions. Well, why aren't you playing? You should be playing. You know, blah blah blah. You're like, well, it has to eat away at you. It does man? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. It really does. And 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 that's a bit of the the elite sporting space that most people wouldn't see. Yep. Uh, it's the anxiety behind the scenes when you get home and it's being dropped and getting home and sitting on the, you know, in your bed rolled up in a ball for an hour and your your girlfriend consoling you. Like, there's a lot of stuff that people don't it's, see. People only see the money. It's the person behind it as well mm, you know what yeah. I mean like too many people, people just see the facade see the bright lights they don't see the people behind yep. the actual player yeah. yeah in fact when I was playing there wasn't enough research or support put into that mental health space where over the years since I went public with my story you know there's been there's Wayne Schwass there's Nathan Thompson there's you know, recently a Boydie and yep. Travis um, Cloak and everyone's more coming out talking about the challenges they've had as elite players and there's been more programs put in place now to support AFL players, which is yep. really important. Mm. And then again, you get the women's game coming through where there's there's challenges that men don't experience that women mm. are challenged with as yep. well with mental health and, 
you know, things like that. So it's a it's a really diverse game, yep. which adds a lot of unique challenges to the individual, sure. And before we jump into, I guess, that transition from player to, you know, back to everyday life, um, for yourself, with what you'd said, you went to a bit of a dark space after you got delisted and, and stuff like that. Apart from your personal struggle with, you know, 95 short kind of thing, mm. was it also how the club handled it as well? Like how they handled letting you go? Was that sort of... Yeah, yeah, um, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Obviously not to like bag out. No, no, no. Well, you know what I mean? Like was the process behind it back then or even still today? It was brutal. It brutal? was brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was because like the writing on the wall was was there. Like I, I had a bit of a sook probably for a year and a half and then by the time I realised that, shit, this is my dream. I've got to start working my ass off again because mm. I went there and worked my ass off, played AFL, Got dropped, started complaining. Yep. Typical kind of young male having a sook and then, shit, I better start doing something here. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. it's going to be ripped away. So, I, I, I played really good footy in the last half of my last year. Yep. And I, I my, my, my mind was made up that I was going to go to another club anyway. Yep. At least try and get redrafted or go do something else. And the club, Carlton actually offered me another contract. And I said, no, nah, I'm done. Like, I just can't be here anymore yep. with the mental health staff. And you know, I wasn't getting along with some people. So I just... The culture and... Yeah, yeah just yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I got up, shook the hand and, and left. Yep. So Carlton, I wouldn't say handled it terribly, but there just wasn't any support. There was yeah. there was nothing yeah, yep. available. Yep. And I wasn't going to go talk to my teammates because I didn't want them thinking I didn't have what it took or I'm yeah. soft or I'm weak yeah. or I'm complaining, you know, stuff like that. And that happens. To give you an idea of the culture, like... And the pressure on it, we had a thing up on the wall called Fat Club, right? So every week we would get um, your, your skin folds done. Yeah, yeah. And then if you were over a certain percentage, you'd be up on the wall in front of everyone until you had to go wow. and do extra sessions to work off the fat on your body <laughs> to get removed. So at that time, I, I was recently just diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and I was on medication, which encourages weight gain. So at, I stopped using my medication or abusing it because I was just more frightened about my name being up on, on the, the wall, wall. Mm. compared to actually looking after my own, my own mental health. So there was no one you could go to and say, yeah. hey, this isn't right yeah. because you just got on with it. Yep. So, But then I went to the Bulldogs who my great-grandfather played for, my grandfather won a premiership there, my dad played there, did a pre-season there and they promised to draft me in yep. that year's draft and draft day had come and my name never got called out. Yep. And I'm still waiting today for a phone call from them. So it's literally just how the industry is and yeah, that's yeah. just how it works. Empty yeah. promises. And that's where I left the game yeah, pretty yeah. pretty bitter. Yep. Yeah, you're going, this is just bullshit. So it wasn't just the one club, it was the, the second follow-up handling as well. Yeah. Top it off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I had some options. I had, I had St Kilda and Freo, I could have went and trained with them. But I was like, you know, how good is this going to a club, my family? I'm Literally yeah. my family's name's all over the wall. Yeah, um, the history. Yeah, the history yeah, of it. Yeah. And I felt like I was at home. And then, yeah, just to be slapped with that was a bit of a, a soul crusher yeah, as well. Yeah, so, but that's that's life, you know. That works sometimes, and at the time you don't see it for what it is, and you're yeah, pretty yeah. pissed off and angry. And I used alcohol and drugs as a way to cope. to numb it and cope. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is obviously not what we should do. And um, I guess coming out of that, transitioning to everyday life, what's that? How had how'd you go with that? How'd mm. you handle it? Yeah, hard man. Like the, yeah. I, I felt like I let everyone down. I, I stopped hanging around family and friends because of the judgment or the self judgment. And yeah, I just fell down a path of just abuse. Yep. To be honest, I was in and out of work. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was yep. making some money playing local football at the yep. time, so that was kind of keeping me afloat. Yep. Um, and then yeah, it just led me down a pretty severe, severe um, um, path. And that, that's yep. why 
we'll probably get to this a bit later on with the property stuff we do, but yeah, yeah. I am just had Eli Smith come and join our, our our company and he's a former Brisbane Lions player. So I'm yeah. pretty, I'm very passionate actually about supporting AFL players coming, space. coming out of the game. I, I, I think property is a really great industry for athletes to get into. Um, just their relationships they meet during the during their careers, Definitely. the sponsors, yeah. the everyone, a lot of income, high income earners that they they have in their in their industry. But it's it's a career that you can be flexible. Yep. As well, you you don't have to. AFL football is probably trained four to five hours a day, um, yep. and they get pushed in the jobs nine to five, mm-hmm. and it just it isn't their their lifestyle and their yeah. character where property work so that's why i think i'm really passionate about that now because of what i went through and helping like eli and that find his feet after the game because his contract literally stops mid this month so what he's been paid for the last few years he stops getting paid as of mid november and he's got no there's no revenue or income so you've got to find a way to kind of replace that no exit strategy either know what i mean no no there's not and as much as people say hey get ready for life after 40 i think the average career spans 4.1 years so it's not the big 200 game champion yeah. that everyone gets to see, um, and what the media painted at it as well. As, well, it, well, all we see is the the victory lap and the best yeah. and fairest speech from the from the heroes. You yeah. know, we never see the the five to twenty game player who's yeah. busted his ass for four years, who who isn't concerned about his life after footy because he's just he, he's in the moment, yep. so focused, and he yeah. wants yeah. to yeah. play AFL and he wants to make it ten year career. Yep. And the next thing you know, it's just boom, gone. Yeah. And you're like, shit, what do I do now? And that's why a lot of them, like I could name 40 players that have literally reached out to me over the last five years and been through similar similar paths, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and I guess the journey to starting Edwards and Mills, where we are today, what was sort of the journey there? Was it a, a short one? Was it a long one? You know, was it a couple of years that you're sort of researching the market, getting a feel for what you wanted to do? Uh, or? It was pretty uh, It was pretty quick, yeah. like... Once I kind of went through some personal stuff and that was in 2015, I actually started a charity called Outside the Locker Room. Yep. And that was more mental health education for local sporting clubs. Yep. And we, I rolled that, I was CEO there for five years. Yeah, five years. Yep. And we rolled that out to 380 communities across Australia. We had federal funding in WA for five years. Um, yeah, we, we, we did a lot. Work with that. I think it was something like five hundred and something sporting clubs around Australia. Um, So that was a real passion project for me of what I'd been through to be able to give back in a positive way and roll that out. We had about one hundred and sixteen contractors around the country working for us, which was which was huge. But then it got to a point where it just burnt me out. I was so exhausted. Like that mental health space is it's constant. Yeah, emotionally, and I was talking about my story four times a week to different sporting clubs and corporates and that and yep. you, I was reliving all the trauma and everything yep. like that you didn't re- I didn't realise at the time yep. but then four years five years in you're like oh shit what have I done <laughs> you know <laughs> um, so I had an opportunity with the reality TV stuff yep. come up so Married at First Sight um, so they contacted me just through Instagram yep I was just at a time in my life where I'm like, you know what? Slid into the DMs. Yeah, hey. man. Slid into the DMs <laughs> and I was more, I was all for it. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, stuff it. I've got nothing yeah. to lose. I, I'd i been out. I was single for oh, close to 14 months. Yep. Um, I just, I needed a change. I, I needed another challenge. And I spoke to people in my life and yep. said, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. So I jumped on that boat. Yep. And that took place. 
Um, it was the whole world. It was pretty extreme. (laughs) I tell you that right now. I lost eight kilos on the show. Yeah, wow. Like it was so stressful. Like it was insanely. um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm very easy along with. Right. So I can find mutual ground with everyone. But the people on that show and who I was with was. It was so hard to to find that, and that's why they do it to cause conflict and and stuff like that. So. But at the time, you just—I was pretty naive to the process. I didn't watch the show. I didn't really know much. I knew the concept of it. Yep. But I, I went in eyes open, seeing you know, what happens, happens, and anyway, so that all happened. And it's one thing living it, but then it's another thing. So it was filmed. I think like September. I was there for four months. So September to the end of the year. Four months. Four months in yeah, Sydney right. filming yep. every day for four months. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah, it's insane. The cameras are literally every following you everywhere. Um, and then it airs in like late February, March. So you've lived it and then you live it again uh, on mm-hmm. national TV for yeah, yeah. everyone to see it. And, and then everyone like, would be chatting to you yeah. or like, I yeah. couldn't go down the street, mate. I literally could not go down the street, um, and without people stop. And I was good. I was, I, I was myself. So it was fine. Like I wasn't a villain. Mm. I, yeah. It worked out really well for me. It was, I was, I was happy with how it was, but I can only imagine the villains that get portrayed on that show and their lifestyle. I was going to ask, like in terms of, it's always chatted about in reality TV. Mm. And I don't know how much you can mention it, but oh, I'll talk the, about it. the edits. I'm out of contract. <laughs> the edits yeah. and stuff that they go through, like yep. for a lot of people. Like, it, is it tough? Like, you know, you're in the moment. You see everything that happens. Like they're recording you 24 seven. Yeah, mm. it's like what we're doing here in recording. But yeah, you know, at some point they could just cut up that bit, add it to this bit. And then just make it seem like a completely different narrative. It, it does happen. Now, to be honest, I only watched probably the first two weeks and then I stepped away because yep. I knew that I just didn't want to experience it. Because yeah. yeah. it, was, it was fucking hard. Yeah, like yeah. it was tough to endure during filming. Yeah. And I was up here at the time in the Gold Coast anyway. So I um, I was just – and I was in a relationship at the time yep. as well and I wasn't supposed to be. But it was just a complete shit show, right? <laughs> and – um. The way I answer that question to most people is that I say, look, if you're going to be an idiot, they're going to edit you like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to act like a, a fool, they're going to edit you like a fool. Like if you just be yourself yep. and be normal, if that is you being yourself, then that's just how you're going to get you're gonna get edited. You yeah. know? Um, I, my focus was just being as close and as calm as who I am possibly yep. through the entire filming of the show, which I think I did yep. very accurately. Um some it's always the people who get a bad edit complain about the bad edit, <laughs> but yeah, from what I seen, it was very accurate. Okay, yeah, for, for what I seen, yeah. But I do know there were moments when things were moved around. Yep. But it didn't this reflect their personality? Like yeah. it, it was, it was who they are. Yeah. 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 yeah it just made them look worse. <laughs> if anything, just yeah. added to it. Yeah, yeah added yeah. to it. And then yeah, after, I actually had a bit of a breakdown after that um, mentally, yeah. just through that experience. Like it was just solid. On everything was just. Oh, my life just wasn't private anymore. Yeah, was I was going to just uh, about ask about that. How yeah. was it transitioning out of that? You know, it was harder than footy. Yeah, the, honestly, it was probably yeah. harder than footy, only because it was such a big thing in such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. and I really had the history of the mental health stuff as well, so I, I could feel a lot of it kind of creeping back in, and um, the relationship I was in had broken down, and then yeah. I just had a big kind of moment. I'm like, you know what, stuff this, I'm done. And my mate, my best mate, who's my manager. Yeah. He said, he goes, mate, I've got a place where you can go for four weeks yep. and just get away from everything and everyone. And it was a Krishna farm. You guys heard, you know, Krishnas? Hari Krishnas? No. no. You know the people who dance out there on the street and they're trying to give out 
Uh, yeah, Hare Krishna, Hare yeah, Krishna, yeah. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Yeah, that's so it was a Hare Krishna farm. And if you would have said to me, I'd be living with monks for four weeks, um, I just would have told you to go to go get stuff. So very fortunate that he, uh, there was a place in Victoria down the Otways, down past Geelong, that I went there with no phones, no TVs, yep. no interaction with the outside world except yep. for a phone call every couple of days with my, with my parents and just detached from the world and just had wow. to get my shit together. Yep. I had to address a few demons yep. and, and mate, that was – Possibly mentally the hardest thing I've ever done because the things they get you to do. So when I say you're living with monks, people just think they're it's silence and they've got their you know, their bald heads and their capes and they're sitting around yeah. just meditating, meditating all the time. Not necessarily the yeah. same thing where I went. They're very active and they live off they live off the farm, so they're yeah. vegetarian and everything you farm goes back into yeah. your body and stuff like yeah. that. Very but holistic. Very very much so. And their beliefs is it's it's a religion. So they, it's God belief, but their God is Krishna and yep. they teach you about that theory and stuff like that. I I put myself into it all, but I walked away not yep. being religious at all or anything like yeah, that. Yep. Very more, I'm more spiritual, that's for yeah. sure. Mm. But um, there's things they got me doing the first few days was they had like a big stack of firewood, was huge, and I had to move this whole stack um, log by log about five metres to the right. And it took me about six hours to do by myself <laughs> in in the heat. And I remember getting about 15 minutes into it and I was just, you know, I was angry. I was like, what the fuck am I doing this yeah. for? This is what I come here for. Physical labour. Yeah, yeah, this is bullshit. Like I'm doing stuff that I, and I was so angry. And then over over the hours, you just, it breaks you down. Yeah. And then by the fourth day, I was just, I remember I was just crying. I was on my hands and knees and I was just bawling my eyes out. And then the next couple of hours, you kind of get your shit together. Yep. And then you kind of see, oh, I'm doing something here, you know. Yeah, and yeah. the next one, next day, I was picking potatoes out of the ground for six hours again. <laughs> and another day, we planted 314 plants along the fence line of the farm, which went for about a kilometre. And you're doing this all by yourself. So we, in it, we, we get so many distractions in our life mm. that we don't literally have time. You just sit and be alone. Yeah. Because that's scary, man. In your head, when you've got nothing around you, that's that's some real confronting shit. Yeah. And I had to go through that and that really just stripped me apart. Yep. And then when I come out of the farm, I, there's a long way to answer your question here, sorry, but it kind of gives people a, a context yeah, yeah, of kind of yeah. how we mm. got to where we are. So I realised I didn't want to be in the mental health space anymore, so I left yep. the charity as a CEO. It was my, my decision to do that. Yep. And then I spoke to a friend of mine who's County Mills, yep. so Edwards and Mills, and she's in conveyancing. Yep. And I said, look, I'm going to move the Gold Coast. I want to get into sales, property sales. And she's like, well, have you thought about becoming a buyer's agent? Yep. And I'd actually never heard of a buyer's agent before. As much as I bought and sold property in Victoria, I never dealt with one. Yep. And um, I looked into it and it came across a guy, Benny Handler, uh, oh, who, yeah. who does a buyer's institute, yep. who's now my mentor and do yep. a lot of work with him. Yeah, he just sold me on the concept. And I thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what works yep. for me. I'm a bit probably... No offense to my sales agents, mates, but I'm probably a bit too soft to be working in the sales stuff. Like yep. I'm not as probably brutal as some of the sales people need yeah, to be yeah. to get the bit best yeah, to get the results for their clients. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bit more compassionate and a bit more understanding. So I thought yeah. I'll be on this side of the fence because I can work with clients and advocate. Be more of a mm. compassionate side and help them understand the process in buying a, a home. Yep. And I think my values in that area. So yeah, we started it up here and. I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing working in the industry. 
I only knew personally from buying and, yep. and selling down in Victoria. I sold my properties before I moved up. So I had cash in the bank, so I didn't yep. have to stress about, is this going to work? If it doesn't, yeah, yeah. what do I do? Um, I was just in a fortunate position to yep. give it a good crack. And we timed the market pretty well. Yeah. You know, everyone was really needing help to buy yep. property here on the coast. And we just took our time, client by client, didn't yep. bite off too much that we could chew, focus on the client delivery, yep. was able to be successful at that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, we, we put a, a lot of time and emphasis on the, the story and the telling through our marketing. Yep. Because I'm, I'm, I think that's probably one of our point of differences of what we, we do very well. Yep. It's just, yeah, the way we support our clients and their marketing side of our brand yep. uh, compared to, to maybe some other, other agents. Yeah, yeah. I was going to touch on that. So other than your marketing and, and I guess your storytelling for the clients, what would be your biggest point of difference and, and value for a client going with you, say, your yep. competitors in that same industry of buyer's agents? Yep. So probably the biggest one is just our fee. So we, we do a structured uh, a structured fee. There's no um, commission-based fees. We do a flat yep. fee. Um, so anything under a million is 10. Anything between a million and two is 12. Anything yep. above 12 is 15. Yep. It just well, We find that helps our clients get clarity on their spend and their budgets. Yep. They know what they're spending. There's mm. no hidden costs. Yep. Conveyancing, building and pest are obviously outside of that. Yeah. Um, but it really helps us get on the front foot because yep. a lot of people want our service until they hear the fees. <laughs> the fees. Yeah. Uh, and some people – and it's all – personal and yep. generally the more experienced long-term buyers agents can put forward commission structures um, but I just felt that what we needed to do the best marketing for any brand is the doing yep so people need to see us buying houses for clients yep. yeah. and then having those clients talking about yep. the experience mm-hmm. and the only way I could really understand that was uh, okay let's come in at a ten thousand dollar level where we can just start working with people get experience get the momentum going and then we can evaluate our fee like down, down the track, down the track yep. if we need to. So that's that's a big point of difference. Also, you know, people generally engage with buyers agents because they assume is that we have relationships that they don't have that we can get off markets yep. and things like that. Look, well, what's helped my brand in 12 months is purely just my profile. Mm. So I've been able to really build some strong relationships with sales agents yep. just because I, I do have that following. Yep. A marketing point, it makes sense for sales agents to work in with myself and, and our brand because yep. we're all trying to support each other with whether it's giving them a sale or, yep. you know, helping them be a part of our marketing yep. uh, mm. and things like that. So we do have relationships, I think, that are, are fast preceded more so than other yep. potential buyers agents. It's the same thing in the in the broker's world. Same, you know, that they we have a lot of brokers who have reached out just because of me being on Married at First Sight, to be honest with you, like yeah, yeah. I was walking into uh, real estate agents early, just cold walking in, didn't know no one. Yep. And I knew the person behind the desk, generally speaking, yep. right, is a middle-aged woman who watched Married at First Sight. Yeah. Who, I, as soon as I walked in, it's just an icebreaker and we yeah, just yeah. start talking about it and then, you know, the sales agents would come out and say g'day. I, j- I just leveraged it. I, I just, I just knew that yeah, yeah. that's my best opportunity here, yep. why it's hot. 
Um, yeah, take advantage. Take of advantage it. of yeah. it. You know? Don't hide behind it, kind of thing. No, I just yeah. embraced it and just yeah, stuff yeah. it. I had to make something mm. out of this experience, and that's kind of what come around. And yeah. uh, not the pigeonhole that only women watch the show, because I'm, yeah. trust me, more men come to me <laughs> and say, "Oh, my missus." I said, "Yeah, whatever, mate. You watch, you watch the <laughs> you show. Enjoy it too, mate. Yeah. Don't lie. Oh, yeah. Trust me, they hide behind their partner <laughs> as to uh, watching the show. But yeah. I think those are two real um, important point of differences yep. uh, for us. Um, so the, f- the the fee structure and the relationships as well. Yeah, the relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And uh, I think everything's about who you know, what and and how you, um, who you know, and what you know, or, or whatever that saying is. But yeah, just being fortunate enough, mate, to have probably a little bit more insight just based off the profile, yep. and um, more people willing to have a coffee. Yep. People willing to sit down, give me yep. time. Yeah, I, I talk about young BAs reach out to me all the time. I'm, when I say young, I'm only twelve months into this myself, so yeah. I think people think how well we've done in 12 months and which is great. So I have a lot of people coming to me asking me for tips and that. I think people look at BA work and and they think that it's an easy career uh, and it's something they can get into and they buy property and make money off it. And, you know, Benny, he he promotes a $300,000 a year kind of career and stuff like that, which he can make good money in it, but... doesn't help with Lux listings either. No, it doesn't. No, (laughs) for sure. No, absolutely not. But uh, it's... It's something like anything, mate, in life, especially in property. And I speak to all my agent mates now that are, it's it's tougher today than it was twelve months ago. And yep. you got to put in the hard work. You got to grind. Definitely. Like early on, like even the profile helped. I, I literally was walking into agents cold. Yeah, no idea. I, I'd fake I had clients. Yep. Probably shouldn't say this, but it's just how I think it's a great insight and a great yep. tip to new mm. BAs. Yeah. I'd go in and then pretend I had some clients. Yeah. Ask to speak to the sales agents yep. and then sit down with them. And that we, we wouldn't necessarily even talk about yep. clients' briefs. We just talk about life and things. It's, Rapport. It's just yeah, the yeah. way to get in, man. Yep. Like you can't just sit on your hands and wait for a client. Sometimes you just got to get out there and hustle and just meet people. And I like that. it just comes off the back of it. Yep. Yeah, and like so, you get out what you put in. Yeah. And sales agents will only really start working with you and once you start doing deals with them. Yeah, you once know? they know they're going to get something. From yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. fair enough and too. That's fair enough, absolutely. absolutely. And yeah. and the only way you progress, so you meet them, you build a rapport, and then you get clients and you work with them. Yep. You know, and you can help them get deals done because they make more money than us, all right? Yeah. So they're happy. Yep. And then at some point, which is where we're at now, is that our relationships with sales agents are more personable. So yep. we can do better referral partnerships today, yep. just because of the fact that I literally was talking shit from from the outset. Yeah. But it got me in the door and yeah. it allowed me to do what I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess because you're the fir- actually the first buyer's agent on our podcast, yeah. maybe explain in a bit of a brief, what it is. What is a buyer's agent? Because there could <laughs> yes, be some people yeah. listening and yeah. they're just like, yeah, what is a, what well, is what a is, BA? What, what is a buyer's agent? Probably should have tumbled up at the start, <laughs> shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. So basically the the way we answer this question very quickly is that you know, when you go and generally buy a house, you deal with a sales agent and – People who are interested or hear of a buyer's agent, they say, well, why wouldn't I just go buy it myself? Why do I need you to do it? Now, sales agents are, are representing the vendor, so they're trying to get more money out of you to, to um, you know, it's better for their client. Yep. So there's three areas we focus on. It's, it's sourcing, inspecting, and negotiating when it comes to property. Yep. Um, so generally, our clientele are, are professionals who are busy or time yep. poor, who can't get out to properties, inspections, yep. weekends, they've got family. They want someone else to go and do all the hard work for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
we take clients' briefs, understand what it is that they're after, yep. and then we go and execute the sourcing. So we find the properties for them, we create a shortlist, sit down with them, and then identify like a top three of that shortlist. Yep. Our next step then is to go and inspect the properties. Yep. So that's a really important part of the due diligence. Mm. So making sure the build's good, the property adds up, um, the finishes of the property is what the client yep. ex- expects. It matches the, the value of the property. All that yeah. stuff. So that, that's that's a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of time yep. that we put into inspecting properties. We do contract reviews. Yep. So through conveyancing and, and so forth, um, we make sure that all the contracts add up. There's nothing yep. you know, secretly hidden in there. So you have in-house conveyancing? Yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, so we take care good. of all that, which again is probably another point of difference yeah. that yeah. we offer to our clients. So it's, it's free, free contract reviews. Yep. So we, uh, we go through that process, make sure there's nothing yep. hidden there. And then once we're happy with all that, we negotiate. So then depending on whether it's going to go to auction, uh, we bid on behalf of the client. Yep. We obviously negotiate quite hard uh, to get the best price for our client. Yep. Um, in a nutshell, mate, we, we do everything from start to finish in buying a property for, for our clients. On average, uh, we save about 120000 per deal. Yeah, wow. Yeah, for our clients. And the way we calculate that is a few ways. So that's based on if a client says to us, we've got a million dollars to spend. We will generally negotiate and buy it for say eight eighty or yep. uh, sorry yeah eight eighty around that mark, or th- if it's listed at a certain price, then we're able to negotiate it you know under yeah. well under that negotiated um, sorry that estimated yep. price. So yeah, it's it's a no brainer. I mean everyone should use a buyer's agent, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but um, some people are just at different stages, and depending on whether they see value yeah. in it or not, yeah. uh, de- 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 determines on whether they they use us, but. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little industry. Yeah, uh, it's getting more popular mm. as time goes on. Um, yep. Something so mentioned off off recording is how big the market is over in America. Yeah, which we obviously know from million dollar listing is the show over there, isn't it? Yeah, he does yeah, his yeah. high kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so and they just did a tour, I think, of Australia as well recently. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah um, selling sunset. As selling well. sunset. <laughs> selling Beverly Hills. Yeah, it's my, my partner loves that show. Same. Hills. So yeah. does mine. She's just obsessed the homes are incredible. Mm-hmm. They are. They're amazing. Yeah, love I just it. can't stand the drama that's on no. that show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I must. I watch Housewives now yeah. with her, so I can't. I can't talk. <laughs> I can't talk. The OC. The house yeah. shows are they're easier. <laughs> they are, they are, they are. But yeah, it's. Uh, I will, we, we've we've worked with a couple of uh, overseas clients that have moved here. Yep, a couple Canadians. So the the expectation in in Canada when you buy a property is you have to have a buyer's agent. It's part yeah, of the right. process. Yep. So legally, you have to have someone representing you as a buyer to purchase That's the property, cool. which is amazing. Yeah, which would mm. be great if that was here. I mean, yep. how much, we 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 wouldn't be out of work. That's for no. sure. Yeah. Um, to give you an idea of the importance of a buyer's agent is generally here locally, as an example, Victoria laws and Queensland laws, for example, yeah. are very different yeah. to, to per, the processes in buying a property. So the last 12 months, we've had a lot of people moving up here to live in the Gold Coast who are walking into properties thinking it operates the same ways in Victoria. Victoria. Yep. It's very, very, very different up here. So it's an education phase as well. So a lot of our marketing is, a, is around what is buyer's agent, you know, tips and hints and things like that look out for. But yeah, mate, I think the more, I guess the more we push towards becoming that Americanized system of buying property, I think the better off it's going to be. I've even noticed the last three or four months here on the Gold Coast where 
say, six, eight months ago, sales agents were focused purely on anyone could have listed a home here, let's be honest, and sold it. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Absolutely. So working with buyers agents wasn't necessarily on top of their list because they had that many buyers coming through. Mm. Well, the last three or four months, it's, it's shifted around. So we have a lot of our contacts now hitting us up daily. You know, yeah. have, have what clients have you got? Buyers. Who yep. have you got? What are you after? Yep. We'll go find it for you, X, Y, yep. and Z. But we've also got sales agents now that have gone from the sales agent hat, flip it around, and now they're, they're, they're buyer's agents, yeah. really. So they're utilising their database. Yep. Mm. So people, obviously, the traditional way is to contact a sales agent. Uh, they'll go maybe try and pitch for a property. One person can buy a property. Yep. Five people miss out. Yep. Yeah. There's five ready-to-go buyers there. That's it. Sales agents now will chat to them and go, look, what are you after? Give us your brief. Yep. Yeah, because they have the actual internal network. Oh, I know someone down the road who's who's willing to sell their house at that price. Go knock on a door, try and get a deal done. So, the sooner I think, there's plenty of work out there for everyone and um, to work in together. It's just the, uh, yeah, I, I like that American style. American yeah. style, because generally what happens is you, you the one agent does both sides of it. In yeah, America. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to if you want to buy a house, you go to the one agency. Yep. And they'll help you find that house. So they're both the same person, the buyer agent and the sales agent. Yeah, or if it's in the same um, company, then it's, yeah, someone else might have that house and this person has the buyer. Yeah, they all work in together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's certainly a growing area. Like I've noticed it now more so than ever, just being a part of the buyer's agency uh, institute, just how big that's becoming. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, I think there's so much more sales agents up here 12 months ago and I think what I've seen and heard is heaps of people leaving yeah, cause the industry. I think because, like you said, it was so easy to sell a house in COVID so yeah. everyone wanted to because it's a luxurous lifestyle if you yep. sell heaps of properties. So. Cash in and, and, and get That's out. That's it. Yeah. I think same with brokers too. Like I definitely know I can voice for this that I think heaps joined the industry when COVID was happening because everyone could get a mortgage. Yeah. seemed like an easy industry, easy way to make a bit of money, a bit of commission on the side. Um, oh. And some people even trying to do both, do the property and the, the mortgage as well. Breaking, yeah. Um, but I think what the end of COVID has done and more so even because the interest rates are going up. Yep. Uh, it's meant that the... Slowed it down a bit. Yeah, and, and the real people stay in the industry, like the people yeah. who actually want to make a goal of it. Mm. You know, like the people that want to hustle, people that want to work hard. Yep. And they actually want to see those results come out and they know it's not just an overnight success. Yeah, and I, that's... I always... <laughs> I had a phone call about two hours with a guy in Victoria that I knew yep. from years ago. He just called me out of the blue and just, he wants to become a buyer's agent and spoke to me about it and I just gave him a bit of a crash course for a couple of hours just saying, mate... You, Again, it's like anything. You put your work in, you, you'll, you'll get the reward. Yeah. Um, but from what I know, who I've spoken to in the industry, it can take a lot of time to get clients when you first start off as a buyer's agent because you need to have um, respect and trust. Yep. And people, again, need to be seeing you in the industry as an expert yep. you know, to buying their property for them because it's a huge investment. Mm-hmm. Some people, most of our clients are dropping 1.5 to 2 mil on a property. You know, you, they want to... They want to know that, trust. Yeah, they yeah. want to know you. you they're yeah. putting a lot of trust yeah. in you, and the fee reflects that. You know, it's anyway, some deals you can make up to twenty, thirty grand uh, on buying a property. So there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side as well, like I've been fortunate to work with incredible clients. Like I've purchased recently just a seven million dollar apartment up in Noosa yeah. on Hastings Street for a client. Oh wow! You know, so being able to get in and see some incredible homes, work yep. with some amazing agents up around that area, yep. 
but I've also bought, you know, the the more smaller investment, five hundred to seven hundred thousand dollar homes that are literally just add up yeah, money wise. And it's I was going to ask, do you have like a a budget that you guys like to play in, and is there a limit to that as well? Like we only deal with clientele in particular budgets. No, we 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 worked with everyone. Yep. And uh, first twelve months for me was like, okay, let's just cast the net. Yeah. Let's work with everything yeah, and yeah. everyone because yeah. revenues important in a startup so you need money right so you just say yes to everything and you figure it out later on at one time there i had eight clients at one time because i didn't know what my capacity was Mm. and i'm just like this is just too much so now i've learned that i don't do any more than four at a time yeah just because i want to be able to service the client correctly make sure i'm getting back to them every day if not every every couple days Um, but i guess the sweet spot for me is is the owner occupier space yep um, young professionals yep. probably have a, a couple of kids at home. They got probably three hundred thousand dollar dual income. Yep. Uh, in at home, and they're just time poor. Yep. Probably spending one point eight yep. to two point two uh, on their third home. Yep. So people that have come into the into the property market that have bought before. Yep. Maybe one or two who understand it's quite tough. The process. It's exhausting. Yep. yep. And they understand shit. I wish I had a buyer's agent help yep so that's the top person that we would love and we probably 70 percent of our of Clients our clientele has been that that's good you've got your niche yeah. so yeah yeah we just we identified that only after the first probably six or seven months mm. yeah um but again our, i was very strong with our marketing trying to reflect a higher end mm. kind of product so it kind of would attract mm. would attract that and then obviously working with those kind of agents too because yeah, you yeah. got the Colosh of the world, the Emir, and yep. people like that. Um, even the guys around here, like uh, Will West, and that bought homes through with him. And yep. it's it's just really, it's important to get clear on your avatar because ideally that's what your eye enjoy more. But again, we've had people come to us that have moved up from Victoria. We had a, a young a young girl who her mum and her sister were helping her out relocate. Yep. She was going through some tough things. Yep. She, the sister, reached out to me just via Instagram and said, "Jacob, we just we just need your help because we're not yep. from there. We don't know where to buy. Our budget's only you know seven hundred thousand. Can you find us the best possible property?" Which, again, I, I love that as well. Like being able to help someone relocate, find a beautiful little home for yep. for her to move up, her and her dog, and you know, happy days. Yeah, yeah. So, I've worked with clients too, mate, that are are really, <laughs> you know, challenging. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've worked with clients as well who just say, "Do just it all. Do it all. Just, yeah, yeah. just tell me whatever you want me to do. Or we'll go and do it." Yep. So it kind of it varies, and I think that's the exciting thing about being a buyer's agent as well. You know, you can work with someone like that one day. You can work with a. I'm working with at the moment one of the executives at Commonwealth Bank, finding them a home. Yep. Very different mindset yeah. to a first homeowner. Yep. Mm. And that's the exciting thing about yep. being a uh, being a buyer's agent. Yeah. Yep. And building that network. At the end of the day, the no matter really what I've experienced, no matter what the value of the home is, the process is exactly the same. Mm. So whether I'm buying a seven hundred thousand dollar or seven million dollar home, really the conversations that I have aren't any different. Yeah, I'm still yeah, trying to. Number. I'm yeah. still doing the same research. I'm still trying to, you know, hard nose the agent. I'm still trying to get <laughs> the best possible price for my client. Yeah. Whether that so that's that I got that wrong actually. So the apartment in Noosa that was. Um, uh, listed at seven mil, we end up getting it for six point three. Oh, wow! So what we did was that we got an external evaluator to come in and do evaluation, which came back at six point seven. But I ended up getting a deal done at six point three. 
So those wow. that stuff's just that that's just yeah, it's exciting, you know. Yeah. It's it's it's, yeah. it's awesome to have that uh, as well, that experience. Yep. So really, it's just it's the same process all the way through. No matter that, the figure. Yeah. Sorry, was that a bit challenging with um, how so many people have gained so much equity in the last, you know, 12, 18 months and now if people are, I guess, a little bit less likely to want to budge down, like have you had to, you know, mm. like you've really had to challenge yourself or? Yeah, it's, I think you guys would agree the market has changed. Mm. Um, yeah. And vendors that are listing at the moment are still hopefully trying to get prices <laughs> yeah. of six, ten months ago. Tell me about it. I think there's a responsibility excuse me, of the sales agent to be real with the yeah. vendor yeah. and to set them up for the expectation of what their property is valued at. Absolutely. Now, I don't know this to be the case. I just hear stories of mm. agents over-promising, mm-hmm. you know, not going for that. And so there's a – it's frustrating when you deal with those kind of negotiations when you you do know what the property's worth yeah. Yeah. and but the the seller just won't, won't budge. just won't budge yeah. and even the sales agent have, have said to us many times look Jake we know your offer's absolutely fair and it's it's actually the, yep. the best we've got but they just won't they won't come down mm. so we just can't get a deal done which is yeah it's frustrating um, but a lot of the time not all of them but you generally just sit on it you know sales agent will do their job go and talk to them in two or three days and say, look, you know, this is the best you're going to get, you know, so we should really consider, yep. you know, taking the offer mm. uh, where we can get get a deal done. But that $7 million, that apartment in Noosa, that was an interesting one because that negotiation went for about five weeks. Wow. Because there. Yeah, wow. Yeah. there was three people involved in that party on the selling side. Yep. And I was able to do some research and find out their situation yep. and understand that they, they, needed, a, they needed a sale. So I was able to kind of be more on the front foot mm. and a bit aggressive mm. with it because I realised that, all right, they need to sell. Mm. And I knew there wasn't any off, any other offers on the table because not everyone had $6.5 million in the bank <laughs> to buy an yeah. apartment in Noosa. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was an enjoyable one, but it, it was long, drawn out for such a long time. We got knocked back for, for ages, for four and a half weeks, and then eventually they come to the table and yep. said, okay, well. They come to the table once they had that private value would come through or? Well I, well, I didn't give them the value. Yep. Yeah, so once, because my client, uh, I said to the client, I said, they're after seven. I don't think it's worth that. I think we get an independent valuer to come in. So my client was in a position financially where three grand for value isn't a, yep. isn't a stretch. And they wanted to see what it was worth anyway. Yep. Um, so once we knew that, I knew what we were playing with. And then to be able to get the deal done at, at that point was, yeah like a lot less than even the value. Yep. Noose is a funny one. Like it's an, it's an area that kind of fluctuates yeah. quite yeah, significantly. Um, but this apartment, from a numbers point of view, when you looked at the Airbnb, yep. the revenue on it was nearly 300000 a year yeah, wow. just, on, just on revenue. So yeah. um, my client was in a position that, you know, it's a, it's a really good buy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for them. And from a business perspective, perspective edwards and mills what's your sort of key geographical areas that you guys will play in in terms of purchasing the property obviously you can service all of australia in terms of clientele yeah by investments or or relocate but in terms of being on the ground and actually finding properties what's your sort of main key areas that you guys will play in so gold coast i I live here in the gold coast i'm in hope island uh up around there Uh, it's a little bit out of the hustle and bustle yeah so it's kind of north and south that we serve i love the south end 
I want to try and buy probably mid next year down Palm Beach around that area personally. Yeah. Buy a renovator. So I like to spend a lot of my time buying down here over the last six months especially. Yep. Burley Heads, Miami, Broad Beach Waters, yep. um, those kind of nicer. And they generally reflect and represent a nicer nicer home. Yeah. Um, which our clientele is generally after. Yep. Uh, and the same thing up north. You know, Hope Island and Sanctuary Cove and areas yep. like that. Yeah, the the, the um yeah, the waterfront yep. properties. We do Brisbane. We do a lot of investment buying in Brisbane. Brisbane. We, d- we yep. just bought a couple for an, an expat living in Singapore, uh, up in West End uh, yep. and and East Brisbane. Yep, uh, which is becoming more popular because the Olympics. The yep. rental return at the moment is really positive for yep. them. Put some money aside. Probably, or I know they can own it. Not even know they have it, yep. which is a positive. Yep. Uh, and we go as far as Sunshine Coast. Yeah, yeah, not as often up there, but yeah, have bought. Up there as well, but yeah, we just expanded to South Australia, which is exciting. So awesome. Eli, as I mentioned earlier, yep. the Brisbane Lions lad, he um, he's moving down there to play football. Yep. So he's going to take us down there and yeah, and just yeah, start awesome. his start his journey yep. in the in the boys agency world down there. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. which is good. Um, and I guess from a business perspective, starting up by yourself because you came in with no no experience, like you said, you didn't mm. go and work for a Cohen Handler or Universal Buyers Agents or, or get that sort of experience. Yep. What for you is some non-negotiables that really set yourself up mindset-wise, I guess, to get you to where you are today? Mm. I took a lot of lessons and have my whole life through football. Yep. Um, one thing us athletes know really well is hard work, commitment, dedication, effort, all that type of stuff. We're like robots. And I've generally taken that through whatever I put my mind on, it's become really big massively and that included drugs and alcohol as as well yep. so the best thing i think i've learned over the last 12 months and i had options to go and and consider working yep. with one of those bigger buyers agencies and that yeah, but yeah. i just i sat back and thought about it you know what i, I i'm not going to go and work for someone when i feel enough self-confidence in myself to be able to go and do this yeah. Yeah. and i'd rather have a crack at it and if it doesn't work i can always go Exactly. Go and work for, for one of them. I've just been fortunate that it's worked out all right. Yeah. Um, but if there's any tips for anyone getting the buyers agency world, it would just be yeah getting clear on your your brand. Yep. Um, it is becoming a fast growing. I think it's one. I think it's if not the fastest, one of the fastest growing mm. industries in Australia. So it's going to be more competition yep. moving forward. So very very clear on that point of difference. Yep. Uh, and execute. Yeah. Yeah. Like and get your ass out on the road. And literally meet agents, yep. brokers, accountants. Yep. Get your name out there. Get your name out there, you know, and be willing to told to get pissed off. Um, sorry, piss off. Be, be, be <laughs> yeah, be, be willing to be told or be cancelled yep. meetings. Amount of times I had agents pull out of coffees and that early yep. on because you know they're pretty busy over that Christmas period yep. when we were starting. Yep. Um, yeah, it suck. It's hard early, man. Mm. Like it's it can be quite, and you you get to a point where. I've, I know of agents that have got three months in that haven't had clients, mm. you know, and, they've, and they're, they're trying really hard, but it does turn. Yeah. You get one and then, oh, yeah, this is, this is awesome. You're getting paid. And, and you, you do, you get paid good money, but yep. you got to work your ass off. Like early on, I was doing 60, 70 hours a week, like, and that includes all your branding stuff, all your on the road, like the amount of driving you do. Yeah. <laughs> It's insane. Especially if you're going up to Noosa. Yeah, I was up to yeah. Noosa for four weeks, basically yep. every second or third day. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. for at least a couple of weeks there. Yeah. Um, you've got to be doing whatever the client wants you to do. Yeah. yeah at the end of the day, but yeah. it's a great business. It's a great industry. You've just got to um, you got to stand out. You got to yeah. find a way to stand out. Yeah. And from a, a business perspective, more, I guess, from a universal point of view, not just for buyers agents, but yep. for anyone wanting to start their own business, maybe they're coming out of professional sports or, or whatever it is, they're looking to make a change. What would be your biggest tips for success? Oh, shit. Um, Any words of wisdom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that well, what I would do is that I'd get a good accountant. Yep. Get a good lawyer. Yep. Make sure you've got those things in place to begin with. Yep. Um, the accountancy stuff's really important. Get very clear on your strategy with how you're managing your money and your tax and your finances yep. and that. That's going to equate to your budget. Yep. So set goals, which is, again, coming back to that. The legal stuff will help you set up everything you need in yep. this property in this world. You, you need to be very tight yeah. with your, your legals. Yep. So agreements, yep. um, all that type of stuff, employment contracts, all that type of thing. And then probably the, the final one there, um, I, I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Like it's hard. Like I don't reflect probably enough on how I've done this, but it would probably be find yourself a mentor. Yep. Yeah. I know everyone says it all the time. It gets thrown around a lot, but I've probably, I've had two really good mentors over the last 12 months. Yep. There's a guy in Victoria named Gary McPherson. Um, he's an incredible buyer's agent and he he's very passionate about the psychology of yep. buying property yep. and he does this whole kind of mentorship to me around auctioning mm. and body language and how you approach it and things like that. Like he's he's intimidating at auctions and he has literally had deals and got deals done just from being that person. Your client, just all they give a shit about is buying the house. I don't care yeah. how you do it. So you got to find a way. So he's been really awesome for me. Yep. I picked the phone up the first three months, every couple of days. Hey, Gaz, well, what do I do here, mate? Like, I've never done this yeah, before. Yeah. I, I would say to a client, yeah, I can do that. Call Gary, go oh, shit. <laughs> how, do I, how do I do that? <laughs> so getting a good mentor is really yeah. important. And he's been in the industry for 15 years. So he's yeah. been through all the ups and downs. Yeah. And as recently as Benny Handler, um, yeah. you know, so Benny's made – contact with me and said may i want to help you out take you under the wing and you know he sees a lot of potential in in the in the business and you know again you can't get a better probably mentor than benny uh to kind of help you navigate through the processes of uh of running a a buyer's agency yeah yeah and also at a large scale like you see their scale now yeah huge it's massive Yeah. yeah it's massive and like i think everyone's vision at some stage is actually to scale and become big I actually went into this very um, self-minded that I didn't want to fall back into the charity operations. So I was managing 13 staff and 100 and something contractors around Australia and mate, it that sort of corporate sort of... Yeah, yeah. it blew me out massively. Yeah. I was just like, this is stuff, I'm, I'm over it. It's just too hard, it's too much, you know. So for me coming to this, and I, I burnt myself in the foot by taking on too many clients at once. Yep. And I realised, and I'm, I'm lucky that I was in a position to go, hang on a minute, this is you, you're going back down this path yeah. where you're trying to become too much, too big, too yeah. soon. Just take a back seat, yeah, yeah. halve it, do what you do. Be Just be comfortable, mm. be happy, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not all about... Getting clients on and, and getting yeah. the money and all that type of stuff. It, it's it's more about your lifestyle. Yeah. Go on the gym and when you want. Going for a yeah. run when you want. You know, finishing work 
at three or four if you need to take yep. the dog for a walk spend time with my partner yep. which it's really important to me to be able to do that yeah. um so that's really another point as well be very clear on what it is you want to get out of you know yep. becoming a ba because it can suck you up yeah I, I speak to a lot of people in sales and that who just burn out 100%. Caught up with a mate before from Kalosh and he, he said he's been working flat out for 12 months and he's just, now he's just, he needs to go away and go yeah. on a holiday. Yeah. It can be in a very addictive industry. Yeah. Because of the, how lucrative it can become. Yeah. But you just, you can burn yourself out. Yeah. With the quantity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. And I, I learned that through the monk stuff, living with them and I was vegetarian for 12 months and I didn't touch a beer for nearly eight months. Wow. Um, yeah, well. yeah. And then it just, I don't know, it just, Started eating meat and drinking beer again. <laughs> but, um, now, once I got to a better place, yeah, yeah. I just felt more confident to be able to go back and do that. Yep. Yeah. In fact, the Queensland heat fucked me, <laughs> really, because I moved up here and it was so um, – I was exhausted all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was tired. I was lethargic. I was playing footy up in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, and I just – I realised it was my diet. Yep. So I went and got my bloods done and it just said I had no um, – uh, vitamin B, I think it is, or D, vitamin D. Yeah. And mm. that's literally in red meat. Yeah. Yeah. So once I started eating red meat again, I just felt so much, much better. better. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, mate, we'll go through life. I've had ups and downs. Things yeah. have been tough. I'm in a really good place now. I'm really happy. Um, you know, Edwards and Mills will continue to be what it is. Yep. I, I don't want to be the biggest bloody buyers agency on the yep. coast. I just want to work with really good clients. I'm happy with my four at a time. Yep. Um, I've got Olivia now who's come on as my associate who yep. wants to become a buyer's agent as well. So yep. mentoring her. I've got Eli. Down in Adelaide. Um, down in Adelaide. Yep. So I'm, I'm happy, man. Like yep. I don't need to be huge and be doing all this stuff at yep. once. I just want to be comfortable. This is just a launching pad for me to, to some other ideas I've got yep. Yeah, down the track. I don't, I don't even know if I'll be in property yeah, forever. Yep. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. So we'll just see where it, where it goes. I guess before we finish up, what sort of, I guess – Maybe a little sneak peek of what we can expect. You touched on Adelaide and yep. whatnot. And I think that's a bit more public on Instagram, but yeah, that's maybe like a little what we can expect to see from Edwards and Mills over a hidden gem. Yeah, um, wants, yeah. Caleb, Is there any like the inside <laughs> knowledge you can give us? Yeah. Well, I, I, we, met, I think I mentioned this off air before, which I'm happy to ch- chat about because, um, yeah, I'm I spent some time in America yep. over the last three weeks for a holiday, but. Yep. I tucked in some some work stuff over there, so yeah, met with yeah. a couple of, of agents just to get my head around, you know, the currency conversion right now is really poor, so you, <laughs> you wouldn't buy in America. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But there will come a time when it will come back around yep. again and buying Absolutely. over there might be of interest mm. to investors, yep. for example. So I'm, I'm trying to find a way of, you know, I'm sure there are people in America that um, want to relocate to Australia. H- how can I play a part and Edwards Mills play a part in that international okay. yep. kind of purchasing? Uh, and I've got a real passion at the moment with uh, Bali, yeah. you know, with villas and that over there and, and trying to find a way on how do we incorporate that into our brand um, where I could take on four or five clients a year where yep. they want to build, you know, villas over in Bali because I know people that have done it. Yeah. Um, and I almost, me and my mate and I nearly bought one at the start of the year. So very interested. Yeah. Yeah, in that. So I think that's something to look out for. Yeah, watch your space with... Um, Maybe some kind of international stuff with everything opening yeah, yeah. up now, yep. and Bali being affordable more so than what it was probably five years ago because <laughs> of the pandemic. Yeah, um, you can build a house over there for two hundred thousand yeah. Aussie and pay and itself off in seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. Yep. 
Yeah, so it, yeah, I think I want to do that, but we'll see. All right, awesome. Yeah, yeah I've got some other companies and that too who are working on business stuff, so yeah. it just, oh, we'll yeah. see. Watch this Before space. we finish up, um, mm. Lux Ways mm. is the name of it, isn't it? Yeah, i got the watch yeah, on, man. Watch, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. uh, give us a little... Well, I, 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 I didn't want to leave this in the car. because <laughs> For I'm obvious reasons. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally. I'm wearing a house deposit on my wrist right now. That's it. So this is a $105,000 watch wow. that I've got on my wrist. It's insane. Um, it's just a it's a giveaways yep. uh, little brand. Me and two mates started up. Yep. Um, it's all about luxury items that we, we give away every month. Yep. People jump on, buy you know stickers. We call them stickers, not tickets. We yep. buy stickers. And every sticker gives you an entry into the draw. Yeah. Um, this is our first giveaway. Yep. Yeah, we're just really excited, mate, to see how this goes. We, it gets drawn at the end of this month. I'm not sure when this podcast will come out, but the 31st of November awesome. is when the draw stops. Yep. Um, and it gets drawn on the 2nd of December. And then the next one, um, when will this podcast air, by the way? Do we have uh, an idea? This will probably be, I'd say, mid-December. Yep. Mid-December? Yep. All right, that's all right. That's cool. So I can say this and then it'll be fine. So next one's going to be a $50,000 travel yeah, voucher. Awesome. Uh, so every month, every six weeks, we're going to be giving away kind of, yeah. you know, just is big. Is from like sponsors, these items that you're getting? Cash. Cash. Yeah, 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 right. me, and yeah, ma- yeah. me and the boys are putting in some money yeah. Yeah, to make it work. So yeah. uh, we bought a couple of Rolexes. We're going to do another Rolex off the back of it, yeah. um, but we've decided just to maybe do something different, play it up and see how it goes. But um, down the track... We'll work in with some sponsorship. Yep. Yeah. But just it's just kind of putting it out there, see how it feels. You know, the LMCT boys do it, like yep. candy and that, uh, with the homes and the cars and all that yep. stuff and that, which is we, we're inspired by. Yeah. So we just think that we've got a little niche kind of database yeah, of people cool. that we yeah, could yeah. we could market to. So yep. yeah, again, keep an eye out on that and yeah, absolutely. buy some stickers, will you? Give them a follow and buy yeah. some stickers, eh? Check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for jumping on, Jake. Really appreciate it. No worries, mate. And uh, I'm sure hopefully we'll do some business together in the Goldie. Hope so. Yeah, and uh, we look forward to having a chat to you again soon. Cheers, Thanks, you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Dollars and cents, Dollars and cents, cents, cents. That's how I feel. Dudes moving funny, it's funny, it's not real, eh?